Amen. If you just remain standing for just a moment, I'm just going to read some scripture, and I just want us to stand for it. It's only a couple verses, but um, if you're new, I normally don't have them stand at this moment, or you stand at this moment, but I want to do it today just to honor God and to um, honor his word. And I also want to do it because I never want to get into a routine or we just do things just to do them. And I always fear sometimes that we just do something and this is what we do next and this is what we do next. And I don't want to ever get into that just, well, this is what we do next. So I just want to stand before, the, before God. And I want to read you uh, words of his son, Jesus. These are some of the last words Jesus ever spoke. It's known as the Great Commission. And some of the last commands he would ever give before Jesus would rise up into the clouds and then send his Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's in Matthew. Matthew's one of the Gospels. The word gospel literally means good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus. So Matthew, one of Jesus' friends and disciples, writes this because he heard Jesus say it. Jesus speaking says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Baptizing them. We talked about that. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey. All the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always. Even until the end of the age. You may be seated. I want to thank you so much for that. Um, God, in this series that we're in called Goals, has been doing something supernatural. I shared with you just last week how people responded to the good news of Jesus. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that today. Um, but, but the Great Commission's really, the, the series has been three weeks. If you're new, you can go back and watch any of our series or messages on our YouTube channel, Meadows Church, or on our website, meadows.church, to catch up. But we've looked at the Great Commission of Jesus, and we see three things, really, that God is telling us, do these things, right? Go make disciples, uh, baptize them, and then Jesus, the last thing he says, teach them to obey, this is a big one. I wonder if this is why Jesus closed with it. Because obedience, and you probably already know this, but it doesn't come natural, right? It doesn't come natural. Don't make me bring up Black Friday again, but obedience does not come natural. We're not obedient creatures, not by nature. By nature, we're born rebellious, right? Some of us more than others, but we are born rebellious. And if you don't believe me, you haven't hung around a toddler very much. You don't have to teach a toddler to say, mine, you don't have to teach your toddler to, like, be selfish, right? They just know it. Why do they know it? Because we're born that way. My, my family, we have the luxury of uh, watching some kids, uh, good friends of ours, that they go to a life group on Wednesdays. Life group is our small groups. They, if you, some of you, that's your next step, is you'll, you're going to get involved in a life group. And they're so incredible. But our friends bring their two little kids over to our house, and we watch them while they go to life group. So they got a little five-year-old girl and a, a son that's 18 months old. Well, I was gone one Wednesday, but when I got home, my wife and my, my kids were watching these kids, and my wife said, oh boy, you should have been on the walk with us today. I said, why? What happened on the walk? She said, well, uh, the little guy, the 18-month-old, it was interesting because they're walking on the sidewalk, which is what sidewalks are for, and they're walking, but he kept, like, walking off the sidewalk and going on the street, or going towards the street, and she'd be like, hey, sweetie, come on, get back on the sidewalk, and they start walking a little bit longer, and he'd go off there, get in, get in the grass, and pretty soon be on the curb again, and she'd be like, sweetie, come back, come back to the, the sidewalk, you got to stay safe, and he knew what he was doing because she said okay stay on the sidewalk this is what you got to stay and they start walking again and she turned around and immediately he looked she or he looked at her and he was like <laughs> and, he, and he's looking at her and he's like this and she goes no and he goes and she goes no and he goes did it again she's like no so he's like 
toying with her. And I thought it was funny because I wasn't with them, so I didn't care. I was like, you know, whatever, you take care of it. But when I got home, I witnessed it firsthand because that same night, uh, we were inside now, and my son Jake has, uh, he loves Matchbox cars, these little Hot Wheels, and he has them all lined up, and he's got them categorized, I don't even know how he did it, but he, there's a method to what he was doing. And the little guy, the 18-month-old, grabbed a couple of Jake's cars, and he's like crashing them together, and Jake's like, no, 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 I took, that took so long to do that. And as soon as the little guy heard that, it was crazy. He threw himself on all the cars and just started doing like a windmill. Cars are flying everywhere. Jake is going crazy. I'm like, this kid's crazy. It was nuts. It was crazy for about 20 seconds. Then I prayed a prayer, cast out a demon, and we were good to go. But um, the kid, he knew what he was doing. 18 months old. He did it because he knew it was ticking my son off. It's what we do. Obedience, um, I think it gets a bad rap. Obedience, what you're going to see from Jesus, is it something that you're going to want to do. Not because Jesus is going to take something from you, but because Jesus has something for you. It's, it's, I want you to know something. People will sometimes tell me, Pastor, I want to go deeper. I say, if you want to go deeper, get into a life group. We'll go, we'll go as deep as you want. But I always tell people, you're as deep as the last person you served. That normally, that normally shuts them up. But anyway, so, but I, and I, I don't mind going deep, but, but, and spiritual maturity is important. In fact, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, teach them. We're always to be taught. We're always to be learning. Like, it, it, the moment we stop learning is the moment we start dying. So Jesus says, you keep learning. Keep, keep growing. But spiritual maturity is not about what you know. It's about what you obey. Okay? Spiritual maturity is not, we know a lot. We just probably need to do a little bit more if we're honest with ourselves. And I'm not saying don't, don't stop learning. I'm a learner. I'll never stop learning. But there comes a point when we got to start doing. A.W. Tozer, he was a pastor in the early 1900s. I'm preparing for the message, and I see this quote, and it blows me away. Look at the quote from this guy. He says this. He says, no man is better for knowing that God in the beginning created the heaven and the earth. The devil knows that. So did Ahab, who was one of the most evil kings in the Old Testament, and Judas Iscariot, the guy who betrayed Jesus. They knew that. That didn't help them. Then he says something that blew me away even more. No man is better for knowing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for their redemption. There are millions in hell who know that. And I'm like, dang, that's bold. But he's right. Trust me. Anybody in hell right now, they know. They know the truth now. Jesus did die for their sins. Theological truth is useless until it's obeyed. The purpose behind all doctrine is to secure moral action. The purpose, why we do what we do every Sunday, why we gather, why we get in the word of God, it isn't just to feel good about ourselves. It isn't just to learn, though that's part of it. It's to ultimately leave these doors, get into our community, and love people in a different radical way so that their lives are ultimately changed. This is the goal. This is what we're called to do. But sometimes we get so caught up in the knowing that we forget about the doing. And this is why Jesus is saying, teach them to obey. Tell them to do what I'm telling them to do. If they do it, their life will change. Tozer said the purpose behind doctrine is to secure moral action. Say purpose. you got a purpose. Do you believe it today? Do you know that today? Purpose. The key, this is one of your main points, the key to living out your purpose is directly connected to your obedience to God. It is. The key, if you want to live out your purpose, which I'm just going to speak for you on this, on this one, you do, you want to live out your purpose, I believe that about you, it's connected to your obedience to God. 
Stop thinking negative when you hear obedience. Start thinking positive. God has something for you. Change that mindset. It is directly connected to your obedience to God. And, it, and God was so clear with me about the message we're going to teach today in the passage. We're going back old school. We're kicking it in Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, Genesis 6. Genesis 6. If you brought a Bible, mobile device with an app, go to Genesis 6. If you don't have those things, it's cool. We're going to throw it up on the screen. But Genesis 6, this is a story that even if you didn't grow up in the church, you're probably familiar with it. You've probably heard bits and pieces about it. It's a story about a man named Noah and, 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 and a boat that he would build. This is the story that we're going to see, and you're going to, you're going to, be, you're going to be blown away at what God's going to show you in this message. But I'm going to start in Genesis 6 in the 11th verse. And I'm going to read you a few verses here. In the 11th verse it says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. This is not good. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. This is, one of the most, this is one of the most dark comments that you'll hear from God. And this is, this is a comment that make you, make you question the goodness of God. You know? I can't wait. Next year we're going to do a series called um, You Ask For It. And you're going to get to ask questions online or during the service. And we're going to take them and do a series just answering questions like, well, why? Why, why, would, why would God allow that? Why would that happen? Why do kids? Why do this? We're going to answer all those questions in a series in 2019. Cannot wait. But this is one of them. You look at this, you're like, what? But you need to understand that we have free will. That's a big deal. And free will, there's a choice. There's always a choice. Love always involves a choice, by the way. True love. True love always involves a choice. God's given us a choice. That's for another time, though. Verse 14, check it out. This is, what, this is what God says to Noah. Build a boat of cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Noah's like, yeah, Noah? What's a boat? Well, uh, Noah, uh, that's, it's, it's this big thing. You're, it flows. Just bear with me, Noah. Just keep, stay with me. Okay, keep going. All right. Make the boat um, about... 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Yeah, Noah. Did you say 450 feet? Yes, Noah. Yes, I did. Now, leave your hand down. Otherwise, it's going to change to 450 yards, okay? Shut up. All right, all right, keep going, God. I'm just checking. 450 feet? That's like one and a half football fields long. But anyway, keep going, God. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof, all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side. Build three decks inside the boat. Lower, middle, and upper. Yes, Noah. Three decks inside the boat. It can't just be a one story. It can't just be maybe a ranch with a lower level. You need three stories. Yes, Noah. And then it's like God is finally going to say to Noah in the next verse. He says, look. Say, look. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood. Are you hearing me? It's going to destroy everything that breathes. Everything's going to die. But I'll confirm, I'll confirm my covenant with you. I love that. So enter the boat, you and your wife, and their sons and their wives. He had three sons. They were all married. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them safe and alive during the flood. Yes, Noah. Even cats? Yes, Noah. Even cats. Okay, we don't get that. We'll ask God later. Verse 20, 
Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small creature um, that scurries on the ground will come to you and be kept alive. And be, and be sure to take on board enough food for you and your family and for all the animals. This is, this is crazy. Like boats don't even exist at this time. It's never even rained in the history of history yet. They're in a desert. And God is telling this man to build this, this enormous structure that he can't even really fathom because he's never even seen one and never had a need for one. See, this is why people will, will like wonder, uh, is the Bible, is that even true? I mean, you ever tried to herd cats? How would even, Noah even, what? There was a couple that struggled with this, but the man, the husband actually struggled with a lot of scripture. Like he didn't, he didn't buy a lot of it. But the wife was full-blown believer. She said, I believe the Bible. I believe what it says. But he's like, you know what? It's stories like Noah that make me not want to believe. There's no way a man built a boat that big and took two of every. This is not possible. And the wife says, yeah, it is possible. And I do believe it. And you know what? When I get to heaven, I'll ask Noah. And he said, well, what if Noah's not in heaven? She said, well, then you can ask him. So uh, anyway, so whatever. So uh Anyway, I digress. So uh, the last verse, this is the key verse, verse 22. So Noah did everything. Say everything. Everything. Not just, not just 98%, but 100%, everything, exactly as God commanded him. And the enormity, I, 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 can't get, I can't hardly wrap my head around it. As I researched the message, it said that the ark, the boat, would house, it could house an average of 125,000 animals if the average animal was the size of a sheep, say, right? 125,000. Now, the Omaha has a zoo. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It's, it's fairly popular. Henry Dorley Zoo. Biggest zoo in the world, if you didn't know. Biggest zoo in the world. So our zoo, which is it's incredible. It is incredible. The zoo has 17,000, roughly, 17,000 animals. So the ark that God is telling Noah to build could house seven Omaha zoos in it. Okay, just to give you an idea of the enormity of what God is asking. And not only how, how big it is, we, we focus on Noah and the building of the ark. Once the flood came, Noah would get in that boat with all those animals. They would hang out in that boat for over a year together. Okay, now I don't know about you, but when I go to the zoo, it's great. I love it. But there are some places that smell a little bit. I don't know. I mean, you think the boat, I mean, Noah had to clean Noah had to care for. Noah had to, had to take care of these animals. An African element, elephant alone produces 80 pounds of waste a day. Okay? Do I need to elaborate? I told my son Jake, I said, I said Jake, that's what an elephant will do. Jake's like, Dad, you should, you should get 80 pounds of poop and put it up on the stage so the people can see what that. I'm like, yeah. And the sad thing is I actually thought about it for a minute, so I'm not proud of that. But I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. But then I thought, you know, we want to meet here next week too, so we're not going to do that. But uh, it's funny, you know, boys and their poop. It's, uh, and, and I get it. Poop jokes, poop, poop jokes might not be your number one favorite thing, but I bet they're a solid number two. Back, back to the scripture, right? Back to the scripture. <laughs> oh, it doesn't get old. So um, anyway, so Jesus, back to the scripture, um, the Great Commission. Jesus says, teach them to obey. Teach them to do what I tell them to do. Jesus is like begging the disciples. I'm begging you to show people what I said and teach them to do it. That's what he did. Obedience. The and the reason that God had us cho choose Noah for the message today is this. 
building the boat, building the ark, it was the longest act of obedience ever recorded in scripture. Ever. Ever. What you might not know is the boat building, or the boat building process for Noah and his family would take 120 years. 120 years to build the boat. Okay, let's break it down. 43,800 days of obedience, building the boat, sawing the wood, hammering the nails, spreading the tar. My gosh, when my daughter Ava turned one, we bought her like one of those nice wooden swing sets, you know? Oh my God, they look awesome when they're set up in the store. They don't come that way. They come in about 14,000 boxes, okay? And, And I've never seen so much wood in my life, ever. 43,800 days. I was on day three. Day three. I'm literally laying in my yard. This is, I wish I was lying, but I'm not. I'm laying in my yard. Wood is all around me. Swing set is all around me. I'm literally looking up into the heavens. I've got a hammer in one hand, uh, uh, an instruction manual the size of a phone book in the other hand, and I'm like crying out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know? Okay, man, it was, I was a little dramatic that day. But you know what? My neighbors came around a lot less after I did that. It was weird, but uh, they did. So 43,800 days. It, you talk obedience. This blows me away. But this is why I love the, the series Goal so much. I, I, I wrote it down. It's so important because when you get to the end of your life, and that's going to happen. The death rate's hovering about 100% right now, if you didn't know. Jesus kind of wrecked that curve a little bit, but it's about 100. And uh, people are going to ask, did they do what they were supposed to do? In other words, did they live out their God-given purpose? That's why I love our mission statement so much. Did they live out their God-given purpose? In other words, did you do what God called you to do? It'll be something that you won't really answer with words, but with your life. Noah built the boat because God told him to build it. This was his purpose. Not his sole purpose, but it was a big one. It took a lot of his life, as we know. But every time he sawed a piece of wood, it was an act of obedience. Every time he hammered a nail, it was an act of obedience. I want you to do me a favor. Turn to two people and tell them the title of today's message. Tell two people, keep hammering. Keep hammering. Keep hammering. Keep hammering. You need to keep hammering. So I already gave you one main point. I got one more. Immediate obedience today brings greater opportunities tomorrow. See, when you're obedient today, when you do what God tells you to do today, he will expand, he will expand your opportunities and your provision for tomorrow. Did you know that? Look at Noah every day for 43,000 days, him and his family building this boat, hammering away. God, God would use this man to save mankind. You want to talk about a calling Immediate obedience today brings greater opportunities tomorrow. But this is what I'm afraid of. I think a lot of people miss opportunities. Do you know why? Because they, (laughs) I wrote this down. They miss opportunities because they're dressed in overalls and look a lot like work. Okay? That's what we miss. Right? It is work. It was work for Noah. It was work for his family. And I think people miss it because that's how it looks. Like we want to give God our plans God, this is what I need to do. This is what you need me to, where you need to take me. This is what I want to do for a living. This is the kind of guy I want to, or girl I want to marry, whatever. God, that's my plans. We just don't want to give them our hands. What talent? I need more talent. If I just had more talent, if I could just do what he could do or what she could do, you don't need to do what they do. God has given you all the talent that you need. 
It's not about talent. Hard work beats talent every time. I, I kid you not. I tell people all the time, you don't need more talent. You need to use the talent God has given you. Work it. It wasn't Noah's talent or ability that saved mankind. It was, it was his availability. And it was, it was his, his uh, availability, what I just said. Yeah, that. Dang it. His obedience. That's what I meant to say. Only the title of the whole thing, but whatever. His obedience and, and availability. It's not ability. It's availability. Luke 16.10, this is also the words of your Savior, Jesus, I love it. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Will you hammer when, ever, when no one else is hammering? Will you continue to saw wood when no one else is sawing wood? Will you do that? If you're faithful with the little things, you'll be blessed with more. Noah saved the world through the hand of God. I love that. that that scripture. And then he goes on to say, whoever is dishonest with very little is also going to be dishonest with much. And sometimes we wonder why, God, you're not blessing us with more. God says you're not even doing what you're supposed to do with what you have. He's blessed you. He's given you talent. He's given you ability. He's given you provision. You know, that tithing. I talked about giving back earlier, tithing. That was my issue with tithing. I'm like, God, I'll tithe when I make more money. And God's like, you're not even tithing with what you got now, and you want me to bless you with more? It doesn't work that way. But I couldn't, he couldn't get through my thick head for years. I always thought, no, once I get that job, once I make this amount, then I can start giving back to God. He's like, I was like, you don't, you don't. Please read, read the word. Read the word. He doesn't want something from you. He has something for you. What's God calling you to do now? Noah did everything the Lord commanded. Not because it was easy, but because God said, do it. But I want the guarantee. If you can guarantee me it's going to happen, I'll get in the business with you. If you can guarantee I'm going to have clients, I'm going to make money, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, God, I'll get back to you if you can promise that you're going to bless me and my family's going to be okay and we can go on vacation and whatever. There is, Noah didn't have any guarantee. Trust me, I'm sure when he was about a thousand days into it, he wanted the guarantee. God, send a drop of rain just so I know it's even real, you know. Please, hey, give me a sign. God's like, there ain't no guarantee. Do the work, but we live, in, we live in a culture that wants the trophies without the training, okay? Ooh, that's right. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get oh. deep here, yeah. So I, when I grew up, there were the trophies, we, we were lucky with ribbons. Remember ribbons? Blue and white and whatever. I mean, blue, red, white. What were they? Whatever. They were different. But uh, there were ribbons, and if you got a medal or a trophy, it was like heaven, right? Now, my son, when he was in Little League five years ago, it was the craziest thing ever. The kid, well, first of all, their team was horrible, horrible. My gosh, I could barely watch him when I was his dad. And I loved him, and he was, it was just, thank God they didn't keep score. It'd be like 22 to nothing every game. I was like, God, when is the season going to be over? But you know what? You get out there, and you love them, and they're trying, and um, they're playing these games. And I'm pretty sure if they would have kept score, they wouldn't have won a game, right? So at the end of the year, the coach gets out this box and all these trophies. And I'm like, what are you doing? I had never been exposed to this before in my life. I'm like, what's going on here? If the kids are getting trophies? For what? They, they were, I'm, like, I'm like, coach, come here. You saw, I mean, you saw what they did, eating dirt, plant, you know, what, they get trophies? He's like, yeah, dude, this is what, this goes, this, everybody gets a trophy. Okay. So Jake and his buddies are over here. He's probably, what, six, seven years old. He's over here with his friends, looking at their trophies, drinking their high C, having their little snack. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably a good teaching opportunity for dad. So I walk over to Jake, and I'm like, Jake, hey, bud, let me see your trophy. And I look at his trophy. I'm like, that's nice. And all the kids are looking at their trophy. They're all proud of themselves. I mean, oh, 
Anyway, so I'm like, that's nice. And I set the trophy down, and I looked at Jake, and I looked at the trophy, and I looked at the friends, and I looked at the trophy, and I was like, I'm kidding, okay? Holy cow. Man, I, it's a joke, all right? I wanted to do it, but I didn't. He's got his trophy on his mantle, whatever. I'm just saying, come on. A trophy just showing up? What are we? I just, but, but this is the problem, I think. We want the guarantee. Well, I got the trophy. Is that the point? I mean, he's got a lot of trophies and a lot of medals. After about the 35th one, I don't know if they matter much anymore. It's just an expectation of what we get just for showing up and paying the entry fee. This is not how it works. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't need faith. Okay? Noah was a man of faith. He made the hall of faith in Hebrews. I'll talk about that with some others. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't need faith. Noah didn't have a guarantee. But wouldn't he look foolish out building a boat in a desert? Yes, he would. But the more that I study the word of God, the more that I see people tend to look foolish when they're doing something faithful. It's what I see in God's word. In fact, you could say it's the willingness to look foolish. Couldn't you? I mean, he's hammering away for 120 years, designing and building something that doesn't, never existed. Preparing for something that's never happened. But if you want to talk about faith and you want to talk about boats, let's look at Peter. One time, Peter looked really foolish. He actually got out of a perfectly good boat in a storm and stepped out on the water. And he walked on it. Only man besides Jesus to do that, but that was pretty foolish. David one time charged Goliath. Charged a giant. And, and you know what? David's brothers would have been there watching it. And I'm sure they thought David looked like a fool when he went after the giant. But this is what I know about David. He made the headlines while his brothers sat on the sidelines. I'm telling somebody, if God called you to it, he will see you through it. You don't need more details. You need faith. This is what God says. Noah had no guarantee, but he had a whole lot of faith. He had a whole lot of faith. That's what it means to go after your goal. It's not a sprint. We, and now more than ever, we live in a culture where we want it now. I want it now. Gosh, if my phone takes more than two seconds to connect somewhere, I go crazy. It's like, do you understand it has to go to space and back? Whatever. No, I don't care. I want it now. It's like we want those 15 minutes of, 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 of fame. It's, that is not sustainable. That is not a foundation. That is not what it's about. I put, it's not about 15 minutes of fame. Instead, it's about living your purpose for the glory of God. This is what Noah did. Did they make fun of him? Yes. Did they walk by him and his family for years and laugh? Yes, they did. But he kept hammering. He kept sawing. Do you know why? He wasn't doing it for the approval of people. He was doing it for the applause of nail-scarred hands. That's why he was doing it. This is why, this is why Noah did what he did. Who, who is our audience today? I want to glorify God, and I don't get it right so many days. But I, I keep going back to 43,800 days. Thousands of days, I bet Noah thought, it's not worth it. Do you think he was disappointed a lot of days? His sons don't show up for work? He's doing it by himself? Family, you know how it is? God, but, and he's wondering, God, are you even there? God, is this even real? But when you have the audacity to trust God... When you don't see him working in your life, your faith grows. Okay? When you trust God, but you don't see him working, 
Some of you, you're wondering in a situation, God, are you there? You need to trust him. You need to know that he's there. He's always there working behind the scenes, doing things that only he knows. That you will see if you keep hammering, if you don't give up, if you keep going, God will do what he always does, shows up. Question, as we close out a series called Goals, what would you do in your life if money wasn't a factor? What would you do in your life? I'm asking, if time wasn't a factor, like if you had the guarantee, say you knew it wasn't going to fail, what would you go for? This is what God wants to know. We think too small. God's big. God is big. What would, I'm, I'm really asking, myself included, too many people stop hammering. They give up before their time has come. They give up on their purpose. They give up on their goals. They give up on their dreams. I see it all the time. And I've been there. And there's things I've given up on in my life. And I just wonder, God, what, would you, what did you want to do in there? Who did you want to introduce me to? What did you want me to learn? Well, I'll never know about that because that's a past opportunity. But I still got the future ahead of me. I'm still going forward. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep hammering. But I'll tell you something. If there's one thing I see people, why they give up, whether they're hammering or they're going after a goal or they're going back to school or they're fighting for their marriage or their kids are in trouble, the number one reason that I see that people will give, give up, and I cannot believe Noah didn't do it, praise God for his faith, is discouragement. People get discouraged. And I'm telling you, discouragement is a, is a goal killer. Okay? There's a difference between discouragement and disappointment. Disappointment, that's okay. Okay? I get disappointed all the time. Things happen in my life, I get disappointed. Okay, I'm down on that. That's too bad. But when disappointment turns into discouragement, that's a bad deal. That's a bad deal. I just want you to know that. Discouragement is what kills people. The, the ark was a big boat. We, we got that figured out, right? There was even a bigger boat built thousands and thousands of years later called the Titanic. Now, the Titanic... It didn't fare too well. It actually took out Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you know that? Like, he's gone. It's over. So, I saw the movie. Um, so, it's that. What took out the Titanic? Well, it was an iceberg. What's interesting about that is this. Icebergs are, are really unique. Like, do you know an iceberg, 10% of it is above the water. You know, that's what they would have probably saw on the Titanic. Probably why they nailed it. 90% is below the water. I think icebergs take people out every day. Every day. Because we'll look at Facebook, or we'll look at Instagram, or we'll look at our neighbor, or our coworker, or our schoolmate, and we'll see their lives, and we see the iceberg that's above the water, and it's like, they got it going on. Their kids look so successful. Their kids are so smart. They're, they're always playing. They're laughing. Dad's always playing with them. Seem like they have an active, you know, th th their family's just so picture perfect. And discouragement will set in because we see this 10% of the iceberg above the water. But what you're not seeing is the foundation, the 90% below the water. You know, 11 years ago, some of you have heard it, I was saved in the church, like I was a drug addict, went to rehab twice, hid it from my family, my marriage, everything. Found Jesus 11 years going to church, much like Meadows Church. Sat there just like you're sitting there. And as I'm sitting there on shaky legs, 
I'm watching the pastor, and this church is large, probably a thousand people in the auditorium this day. And the pastor's walking back and forth. He might have paced more than me. I don't know. It's close. But he's walking back and forth, and God gives me this vision. So weird. I've rarely shared this part of my story. It's because I didn't know if it was true. Like, I didn't know if it was just like maybe a hallucination from all the drugs I'd done, or if it was really like God showing me something. I'm like, I don't know. But God, the pastor's up there, and this church is huge. And God gives me this vision of me up there preaching a message, walking back and forth. I can barely, I can barely get out of bed in the morning. I can barely lead myself at this point. You know, I've been clean for maybe 31 days. I, I can't function hardly. And God has given me this, this, this goal. I, I almost, I just shoved it aside. I'm like, nah, whatever, God. But then I started to respond to God and I started to be faithful in the little things, you know, the hammering away, serving in the church, setting up, tearing down, doing all the things that nobody sees. But it's the things that nobody sees that results in the change that everybody wants, isn't it? Nine years I would serve at the church faithfully. They even called me and put me on staff at the church. I just kept doing what they told me to do. Hammering away. I just kept hammering away. What's my next thing to do? Hammer away. Hammer away. I wasn't focused really on the platform. Like I said, I didn't even know that was really real. I'm like, God, is that really a vision for me? Or you must have me confused with somebody else because I don't have that kind of talent. Remember that. Oh, talent. I don't have the talent. I'll work hard, though. Nine years later, my pastor, I was on staff now at the church. My pastor, that same pastor that I watched preaching to a thousand people that day, taps me on the shoulder. He says, can you preach for me in a month? I'm like, you mean preach to the youth kids or something? He said, no, preach to the 4,000 people in the church because there's multiple services. I'm like, me? You want me to stand up on a platform of thousands of people and preach? He said, yeah. <laughs> Again, is it the drugs or is it Jesus? I don't know, but it was Jesus. A month later, I preached in front of the, the, the church where I was saved at, and that would come and go, and it was great, and God did great things through that. People were saved. It was incredible. And then it would just go away again, and I would just do my own thing again. And then years later, three years later, I'd be called uh, by God to move to Omaha to meet you, love you, and preach to you. Now our platform isn't thousands. It will be. I know that. God's, I already... God's got such incredible plans for this church, I'm telling you. Not because I'm that good, but because he is that good. But I need to tell you something. People will see the platform, and they'll see the people that have what you want, whether it's preaching or whether it's in your life or in your marriage or in your parenthood or in your job, and they'll look at that iceberg, but the 90% what you didn't see is me studying and going to school full-time and trying to raise a family and still jacking up my family. I still do. Ask Jody. She'll tell you all about it when you join. I mean, I still mess things up all the time. You, the work and the sweat and the tears. My gosh, I shared last week. This is not, I'm not kidding you. This church is on fire for Jesus. We get new people every week. People are coming to Christ every week. It's growing like crazy. And two weeks ago, I'm, I'm sitting in my office on a Tuesday, which is my home. Um, I'm sitting there and I'm bawling. I am just bawling. I mean, I'm just struggling. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm crying. I'm just sobbing. And I'm like, God, I don't, I, I, like, it's like I, I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I'm not, I, like, I'm questioning myself. I'm really disappointed. I, I, you got the wrong guy. And everything's going good. It makes no sense. The whole day, I'm just, I've never been that, I mean, I, I struggle with depression. But it's, I haven't been struggled like that in a long time. But I didn't let it turn into discouragement. It was disappointing. But I think God was just testing my faith. Devil was working on me too. I'm just telling you, I don't want you to sit, sit here and think, 
people get these platforms without the work, the sweat, the blood, the tears. Do you have that, that iceberg illustration? Show this. This is what I need you to see. People see the part above the water, right? That 10%, this is the success. That's not the whole picture. The people that you look up to, the singers maybe that you admire, the performers, the act, whatever they are, it's not all that. It's all that below it. It's the foundation that builds it. This is what did it. This is what did it. The showing up at six in the morning, unloading a trailer, doing whatever you do, your homework in the middle of the night when you're doing it. God is telling you, keep hammering. Don't you give up. I'm doing something in your life. You keep going. You keep going. You keep going. This is what you need to see. Because people get discouraged when they just look at the top, but you don't recognize the bottom. You don't see the lives when they go home and they fight with their spouse and they yell at their kids and they make mistakes. I've done that. Some days I still do that. And maybe you can relate. I'm telling you, this is a church where it's okay to not be okay. And if you walked in here today and there's a piece of your life or there's a part of your life or maybe there's a lot of your life that isn't okay, I will tell you again, welcome home. We are so glad that you're here. We are so glad that you're here. You need to know the truth. The truth is, success is built on a solid foundation. That's how Noah could do what he did. He had a solid foundation. That's how you go 43,800 days hammering away, hammering away. That's how you make the hall of faith. If you read in Hebrews, that's in the New Testament. Hebrews 11:7. Listen to what it says. It was by faith, say faith, that Noah built a boat, a large boat, to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. He obeyed God. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened. He had to trust God. Never, that, it's never flooded before. Water's never burst up out of the ground. Water's never fell from the sky like that. It's never happened, but he makes the hall of faith. We need to start taking a step of faith when we don't know the future. This is the key. Starting conversations when you don't know how somebody's gonna respond. Praying for the miracle. Boldly praying for the miracle when you don't know how God is going to answer. Right, and going after the goal that is destined to fail unless God shows up. I'm telling you, when we do our part, we know that our God will do His. Does somebody believe it in this place today? He will do it. You gotta keep hammering. You gotta keep going. You can't give up. Giving up is not an option. And somebody walked in here wanting to give up on something in your life. And here God is speaking right to you. Telling you not today. You grab a hammer, you grab a nail, and you keep hammering. And you keep going. Because I'm building a foundation in you. No one can see it. It might be under the water, but I know it's there. And I'm doing something bigger than you can imagine. This is our God. Take a step of faith. Many times it will not make sense until you get there. A pastor told me as I planted Meadows Church, and this is so true, not just for planting a church, but for anything. And this will help you in your discouragement or if you're disappointed. You'll often overestimate what God is going to do in the short term. You often will. I thought we'd launch with 400 people. We launched with less than half that the first day. You'll often overestimate what God is going to do in the short term, and you, I guarantee you will underestimate what God will do in the long term. People give up way too soon. 
we want the 15 minute. If it ain't working this week, I'll try something else next week. God's like, I didn't call you to do something else. I called you to hammer. I called you to saw. I called you to spread tar. I called you to go. This is what he called you to do. Nothing else. Don't give up. Don't give up. God's doing something in your life. That's why he brought you here. Do not give up. Keep hammering. Keep nailing. You will overestimate what God will do in the short term. You will underestimate what God will do in the long term. Living out your goals, check this out, isn't about getting where God wants you to go at the end of the day. It's who you become in the process. This is the key. Well, one day when the church gets this big, one day when the business gets this big, one day when the kids are all grown and gone, well, then it's over. Don't miss the journey, okay? Who are you becoming in the process? The ark. It's an amazing foreshadowing of, of our lives. See, God saw that things were jacked up. And he said, this is bad. It's time to start over. Some of you, you walked in here pretty messed up. Parts, parts of your life, pieces of your life are messed up. And you know it. And this is an opportunity, like the ark, to start over. And the ark, what? Saved Noah and his family. Jesus Christ would be that ark that would save you and I. That's the gospel, that Jesus would come. This is a true story, by the way. The Son of God would come and die so he could save and hold the world in the boat as the flood would come, called death and sin. And he would save us from that. Three days later, he would burst forth from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death, so that you might live, so that the boat might open, the door flops down, and you walk out to a new world and a new life. This is what God has for you. And for the person in this place that maybe you need to commit your life to Jesus, believe what I just told you, or what God tells you, or recommit to that because you've gotten off track, this is why you're here. This is what, this, this is a foreshadow of what God has for you. And baptism, you want to talk about a washing away? That's what baptism is. Baptism doesn't save you, if you're wondering. A relationship with Jesus Christ saves you. Baptism shows the world that you're saved. That's what it does. And if you've never been baptized as an adult or somebody old enough to make that decision, that's your next step. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Every baptism in God's word is somebody old enough to believe. Jesus was baptized at 30. Not as a baby. He was dedicated as a baby. If you were, if you were baptized as a baby, I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. I'm just saying, and I was too, by the way. But the Bible shows that Jesus was as an adult. And I'm just saying, if you haven't been and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that is your next step. Your next step is to do what God is calling you to do. I just know this. Somebody came here for new life. And maybe your story is like my story. It's really pretty simple when I, when I sum it up. I messed up bad. Bad. But regardless of how bad you messed up, it's never so bad that God can't put you back together through his son Jesus. That's why he came. You don't have to have your life all together. That's why it's okay to not be okay. You don't have to be because your Lord is more than okay and he is in love with you and he died for you and rose for you so that you might live for him. This is the good news. I messed up. I looked up. I gave up and God showed up. And I'm telling you, if he can do it in a guy like me, he can do greater things in you. Father, I wanna thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for your word. <laughs> By faith, Noah built a boat. By faith, God, what are you calling us to do? I know that if we do the things today, the immediate obedience today, we'll have greater opportunities tomorrow. Sometimes I wish, God, you would show us a picture five years from now if we keep hammering, if we don't give up. But I know why you don't do it. 
because then their faith wouldn't be needed, would it? We wouldn't need faith if we could see it, if there was the guarantee. There is no guarantee. That's why we need faith. And your word says, without faith, it is impossible to please you. God, I'm praying for everybody in the place today, God, and everybody watching and listening online, that they will pray for faith to step into the deep waters, the waters that where they grow and where they learn. Waters where they're not alone, but like when Peter stepped out of the boat, you're with them, loving them, walking with them. God, for the people in this place that need to commit or recommit their lives to you, I pray that they'll mark the decision. They'll pray with us. We'll, we'll celebrate with them. For people that you're calling to get baptized or have questions, God, I pray that they will mark that, God, that they'll talk to us, that we will love them and point them to what your scripture says, God. I thank you so much for what you're doing. I want to be more like Noah, and I believe everybody in this place does too. We want to keep hammering. We're not going to give up. You're too good for that. You've called us to much more. And God, we just believe and we declare that in you the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen. Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best.